today on In Spirit and Truth with Pastor J.D. Farag. You know, when you go into a doctor, they will determine how healthy you are. They'll, they'll gauge and measure and take your vital signs to see where you're at. Well, of course, in our day, we're living through unprecedented times when it comes to physical health, but dare I say that there is little to no attention given to our spiritual health. You're listening to In Spirit and Truth, the radio ministry of Pastor J.D. Farag of Calvary Chapel, Kaneohe. Pastor J.D. is currently teaching through the book of Hebrews. As a parent, you love your children and want to bless them and see them thriving and full of joy. And as Pastor J.D. teaches today, God loves you even more than human parents love their kids. He longs to bless you. Don't view God as stingy, but look for His blessings and for all the ways He's working in your life. Now, be sure to stay with us after today's message to hear how you can get your own copy of today's broadcast. Subscribe to the In Spirit and Truth podcast or download the In Spirit and Truth iPhone or Android mobile app. But for now, here's Pastor J.D. in the book of Hebrews chapter 13 with today's edition of In Spirit and Truth verse-by-verse study through the Word of God. We're currently going through Hebrews, and actually uh, in the final chapter today, chapter 13, and our text will be verses 1 through 7. The writer of Hebrews, by the Holy Spirit, writes, verse 1, Keep on loving one another as brothers and sisters. Do not forget to show hospitality to strangers, for by so doing... Some people have shown hospitality to angels without knowing it. Continue, verse 3, to remember those in prison as if you were together with them in prison, and those who are mistreated as if you yourselves were suffering. Marriage, verse 4, should be honored by all, and the marriage bed kept pure, for God will judge the adulterer and all the sexually immoral. Keep your lives, verse 5, free from the love of money, and be content with what you have, because God has said, never will I leave you, never will I forsake you. So, verse 6, we say with confidence, The Lord is my helper. I will not be afraid. What can mere mortals do to me? Remember your leaders, verse 7, who spoke the word of God to you. Consider the outcome of their way of life and imitate their faith. Now let's pray. Father in heaven, I thank you so much for your word and for the privilege it is mine to teach. But Lord, we desperately need for the Holy Spirit to be our teacher and our guide as you open up the eyes of our understanding, because unless the Holy Spirit does that, then our time together today in your word is going to be a waste of time. And I don't think there's anyone here that wants that to happen. 
So we're just going to ask you, as only you can, to get and keep our attention so our minds don't wander. And once you get our attention and keep our attention, then Lord, when you have our undivided attention, please, 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 we desperately need for you to speak into our lives. This portion that we have before us this morning here in your word is so apropos for where we're at today. And we need to hear this and we need to heed this. So Lord, speak. Your servants are listening, we ask in Jesus' name. Amen and amen. So I want to talk with you today about being spiritually healthy. I am keenly aware that I'm kind of playing on a <laughs> a very common uh, theme in this day in which we are living in terms of health. But I'm talking about our spiritual health. And what I want to talk about is being spiritually healthy in what is arguably very unhealthy times in the spiritual sense with everything that is happening in the world today. As we near the end of this letter, the writer of Hebrews begins what I'll call these staccato-like exhortations. You know what I mean by that? I mean just kind of like rapid fire, staccato. One exhortation after the other. And at first it almost seems like there's no relation. They're almost discombobulated, unrelated. But the reality is there is a, a common thread here in these and even the ones that follow. I chose to only take the first seven verses because there's a lot here in those first seven verses of this last chapter. And the common thread of these exhortations is that they speak to the spiritual vital signs. You know when you go into a doctor they will determine how healthy you are. They'll, they'll gauge and measure and take your vital signs to see where you're at. Well of course in our day we're living through unprecedented times when it comes to physical health, but dare I say that there is little to no attention given to our spiritual health. And so this passage that's before us today is again, as I prayed, so apropos because it speaks to our spiritual health. And more specifically, what a healthy Christian looks like. And I'll add what a healthy church looks like. These are the indicators of a healthy, spiritually healthy Christian life. And the first one is in verse 1. And I mean, this should be a firm grasp of the obvious. Sadly, it's not a healthy sign spiritually of a Christian in a church is that they keep on loving one another. Here the writer starts 
where it should all start concerning brotherly love. And this is the word that is used in the original language of the Greek New Testament. It's the Greek word philia, where we get our English word for brotherly love. You know, in English we only have one word for love, but in Greek they have four. So philia is brotherly love. Eros is where we get our English word for erotic, is a physical, sexual love. And agape is unconditional love. And then the fourth one is storge, and it's translated oftentimes as natural affection. That's a parental love that a child has for a parent, and a parent has for a child. So if you're Greek, and you're speaking Greek, you say, I love my children. I, I storge my children, I eros my wife, I philia my brothers and sisters, and God agapes me. And in English we say, well, God loves me, I love my wife, I love cheesecake and <laughs> sunflower seeds and pistachios, and don't forget spicy ahi poke. <laughs> I love spicy ahi poke. But I don't love it the same way I love my wife or my brothers and sisters in Christ. So what the writer of Hebrews is talking about here is a brotherly love. Philia, Philadelphia, the city of brotherly love. This is the love that we have one for another. And I don't know if you caught this or not, but notice that he doesn't say you need to love one another. No, he says just keep on loving one another. In other words, they were already loving one another. So it's like, just keep doing what you're doing. And this is where it all starts. And this is why it is. And in fact, everything that we're going to see from this point on springs from this brotherly love, because that's what leads to everything else. But to me, it's the litmus test concerning the spiritual health of a believer in and follower of Jesus Christ. In fact, Jesus said, that's how they're going to know that you're my disciples, is by your love one for another. That's how they're going to know. They're not going to know by how big your church is, how big your Bible is, what kind of stuff you have on the back of your car. That's not how they're going to know. In fact, that's why I don't put anything on the back of my car, is I don't want people. <laughs> Never mind, that's another... <laughs> topic for another time. But how are they going to know that you're a disciple of Jesus, a believer in Jesus, a follower of Jesus? It's going to be by your love, one for another. That's where it starts. And that is a sign of a healthy Christian, and that is the sign of a healthy Christian church. I always say, and this is not hyperbole, I hope you don't tire of me saying it. It is true, and it's from my heart. And I hope you know that I mean this when I say this, that if I was not the pastor of this amazing, loving church, I would go to this church. You guys are the real deal. I'll tell you, it blesses a pastor's heart when he hears a visitor say, man, I walked in those front doors. I'm like, oh no. What happened? <laughs> and, they, and they say something to the effect of, and 
everybody just loved on me. And it wasn't fake either. That's the thing about the fruit of the Holy Spirit. You can't fake it. You can try, but people see right through it. You know, the surfacey, fake, you know, kind of courteous, you know, courtesy, welcome. Welcome, greetings, welcome to our loving church. Where do you come from? You know, it's like, oh, well, that's not very genuine. No, you, you can tell. It's just like plastic fruit. I mean, it might look real, but when you try to take a bite out of it, you'll find out soon enough whether it is real. And this is real love. And this church, and I, again, I, I can't thank you enough. You make the pastorate such a joy and privilege. I am so privileged to be the pastor of this loving church. And the thing is, is that especially now, so few pastors can actually say what I just said and mean it, sadly. This is the one sign of a healthy Christian and a healthy church. So can I just say to you before we move on to the second one, just keep on doing what you're doing. Keep on loving one another. Just sometimes a pat on the back and, and a smile. A smile can go a long ways, you know. I need to smile more because I have a mean looking face, you know. So I, my wife always said, you know, try to smile. I, I try, you know. It's, I was born with this face. I can't help it. But, just a smile can go a long ways. You have no idea what's going on in that person's life that walks in the front doors of this God's church. You have no idea what their struggles are, especially now with everything that's happening in the world. This has to be a safe place and a loving place, a sanctuary in every sense of the word, where people can come and just be encouraged and loved on, accepted. Well, let's move on to the second one. We've got seven of these, so don't look at your watches. In verse 2, the second sign of a spiritually healthy Christian and church is that they show hospitality to others. Now, this is interesting for a number of reasons, not the least of which is that we don't really quite grasp in our day, what it was like culturally in that day. So they did have inns that people would stay in, but they were not safe. So if you had people, travelers from out of town, they would rely on their brothers and sisters in Christ to take them in and let them stay with them and be hospitable towards them and give them a place to stay. Um, but there was a couple of problems with this, and these problems were rife throughout the early church. In fact, some church historians document just how serious of a problem this was. You have the problem of these false teachers that were taking advantage of the hospitality of the brothers and sisters. So they had to use discernment. But they could go to the extreme and be so discerning that they don't show hospitality. And here 
unbeknownst to them is actually an angel taking on human form, think Lot, and that's an angel unaware that we're showing hospitality to. So in other words, there had to be discernment. We actually, I hesitate to say it, but we are, um, how do I say it without, I don't want to, uh, okay, help me out, Holy Spirit. Uh, we just had recently someone come into this church that had to be removed from this church because of this. And we covet your prayers, by the way. We have to be very discerning, because if anybody walks through the doors, because as a church we are so embracing and enveloping and welcoming, and there are wolves that take advantage of that, and take advantage of you. And I want you to know something, first of all, about the leadership and the staff and the elders in this church. They are ferociously protective of you. And so am I too. (laughs) I mean, if anybody walks through those front doors that poses a threat to this church, they won't last very long. Maybe 20 seconds. If I'm out there, it'll be about 15 seconds. They're out of here. Because they pose a threat, and they pose harm, and they pose danger to this God's church. And we have to be discerning, because we don't know. Maybe it's an angel. That would be bad. Kick an angel out of the church. (laughs) Thinking they were a false apostle or a wolf in sheep's clothing. No, take them in. You don't know. We had a guy a couple years ago, more than two years ago now, homeless guy comes in, whoo, the smell. So we had uh, Mac, you know, and I think uh, Mark and Sharon gave him some clothes. We have a shower upstairs. We got him a shower, got him some food, got him some clothes, and we didn't know. And all of a sudden he starts saying very inappropriate things to the women in the church. And so we... (laughs) I won't tell you what I did because you'll see me very differently, but... Uh, Let me just say that we made very sure (laughs) that he was physically removed from the property immediately, because that's a predator, that's a wolf, that's a threat. And this needs to be a safe place. But again, we covet your prayers because we need discernment. What if that guy was an angel unaware? We want to err on the side of grace but you also want to err on the side of an abundance of caution. So this is what was happening. One of the signs of a healthy church is that, yes, we are hospitable, but don't throw discernment out with the baby of the bathwater of hospitality in so doing. Number three, verse three, and this is an important one. You'll see why here in a moment. It's remembering those in prison. Now, you have to understand that in that day, the prisons were not like they are in our day. They didn't have gyms and, you know, Starbucks or whatever they have. I'm not trying to be 
dismissive or disrespectful. I mean, it's, you're still incarcerated. But if you were in prison in that day, you were left there to die. They didn't even feed you. They didn't clothe you. Nothing. If you were to survive in prison, it would be because of loved ones that would bring you food and clothing and sustenance. The Apostle Paul, remember when he's asking for his cloak, it was very cold. And he was asking for the scrolls, the Word of God. He was incarcerated, unless they were giving him food and feeding him and helping him and sustaining him, he would have just been left there to rot and die, as many of them did. When we get to James, again, that's the next book when we're finished with this book of Hebrews in chapter 13. James is very clear in no uncertain terms about pure undefiled religion, spiritually healthy Christians. It's manifest in taking care of the widows, the fatherless, and those in prison. That's, that's Christianity. That's spiritually healthy Christianity. And that's what it looks like. Number four, this is a biggie. Bear with me on this one, please. They keep the marriage pure. Now, it's important to note that the word in the original language, again, that the writer of Hebrews uses for sexual immorality is pornea, where we get our English word for pornography. It's defined as anything that is sexually sinful or immoral, sexual immorality. And so here the writer is exhorting them to keep the marriage bed pure. And he even goes as far as saying that God will judge those who are sexually immoral. And really, truth be made known, one need look no further than to the lives, the marriages, and certainly the churches that have been devastated and destroyed as a result of sexual immorality. This is a biggie. And the enemy knows it, by the way. That's why he targets it strategically. I don't know if you know this or not, but Satan hates your marriage. You know why, right? Because of what the marriage, the Christian marriage represents. It's a microcosm of our relationship with Jesus Christ as our bridegroom. The whole family is a microcosm of our relationship with our Heavenly Father. We're siblings in Christ. Probably shouldn't you say it like that, because <laughs> that explains a lot, right? Sibling rivalry, no wonder. I prefer brothers and sisters. That's uh, softer. But we're, we're siblings in Christ. He's our Heavenly Father. Jesus is our bridegroom. We're the bride of Christ. It's all a microcosm of our relationship with the Lord. And that's why he hates it. That's why he hates the Christian marriage. And that's why he targets the Christian marriage. You know, when Jesus says that God hates divorce, please know that it's not that God hates the divorce. He hates divorce because of what divorce does to the divorced. 
You've been listening to another edition of In Spirit and Truth. Thanks for tuning in to study the Word of God. As you continue to learn from the book of Hebrews with Pastor J.D., don't discount the things you're hearing. God may be speaking to you individually today through Scripture. We encourage you to keep reading on your own, too, to further understand what you've heard on today's broadcast. If you're not already part of a local church that you call home, we encourage you to find one and attend regularly. This only helps you to grow in your relationship with God and others. If you don't have a church home, come be a part of ours. You'll find all the information you need, including service times and directions, to Calvary Chapel Kaneohe on our website, calvarychapelkaneohe.com. While you're there, you can also access more of Pastor J.D.'s teachings like you heard today, including his weekly prophecy updates. In addition to that, you may be interested in the ABCs of Salvation under the Resources tab. This is a simple guide to understanding the good news of salvation in Jesus. As we continue to learn from the book of Hebrews together, we'd be honored to pray for you during this study. Would you let us know what those prayer requests might be? Just fill out the contact form under the About tab at calvarychapelkaneohe.com or come find us on social media. There are links to our Twitter and Instagram pages on our website calvarychapelkaneohe.com That's all we have time for today but thanks for listening to this edition of In Spirit and Truth. <laughs>